Read with me as I read from God's Word, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of his house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Let's uh, turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're beginning uh, looking at Christ's parables. We're going to be looking at different parables throughout this summer. And uh, these uh, parables in particular are are good in Matthew chapter 13. They're all good, but these are some of my favorites. As you came in this morning, you uh, received your communion uh, elements. We're going to take communion at the end of the message. If somehow you got in and don't have your communion elements, uh, they're at the back. You can go grab one at any time. Okay, so we have three parables uh, here. What we look at when when Jesus groups parables together, he does that on purpose. So we're going to look at these three parables. They're relatively brief and trying to understand how they're connected with one another and what Christ is trying uh, to get across. And the title of the message this morning is Finding and Keeping Treasure. Finding and Keeping Treasure. Uh, All of us uh, want to have and retain things uh, that we think and are consider are valuable. And there is, uh, I'm not saying that's bad at all. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Some of those things for us are possessions, things we have purchased. Some of those things are, are things that are meaningful to us. Maybe they have sentimental value, maybe an heirloom that you received from your parents or grandparents. Uh, some of those things are important to you because they remind you of maybe trips you've gone on or people you have uh, known. So all of us find and keep treasure. And actually, Jesus really affirms this in these parables, and he's going to tell us we have two ways to find and keep treasure, and he illustrates these points uh, with these parables. So I'm going to give you the outline. That way, if you have somewhere to go, you can just leave, I guess. But here's the outline. Uh, Finding and keeping treasure. Number one, the first way to do it is by knowing what is valuable. The first way to find and keep treasure is to know what is valuable. The second way to find and keep treasure is to lose everything. So those are the two ways he's going to illustrate. And let's look at the uh, two parables. Look at Matthew 13, two parables, um, parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the uh, pearl. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is like something to know about parables. Some of us read parables. And what we try to do is look at each element of the parable and discern some hidden and secret meaning. So he's walking across the field. So that must mean life. And he finds a treasure. So that must mean Uh, buy a stock in agriculture. No, don't do that. Parables generally, generally, Jesus is making one big point, just making a big point, and we don't need to go through and figure out what every little detail of the parable means. In fact, that would be probably a mistake. A parable, you just, what is the main point he is making? 
So he says, the kingdom of his heaven is like, then he tells a story. A guy is walking across the field. So you can imagine a guy walking across a field in East Texas. Who's been to East Texas? See, exactly. No one. It's the size of Russia, and no one has been there. Like six people in the history of humanity have been to East Texas. So you're walking across this field in East Texas, and you trip on a rock. The rock flops over, and oil starts coming out of the ground. Okay? Right? Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, you know the story. So you quickly take the rock and cover that hole. You go to your home. You sell your home. You sell your car. You sell your dog. You sell two of your three kids. And then you go and offer the guy who owns that field twice what it's worth. And, of course, what's he do? Yeah, you can have my piece of dirt. I don't care. Yeah, here you go. When you made that purchase, are you happy or are you unhappy? You're thrilled because you know once you start cashing in that oil, you're going to be able to buy what you formerly had many times over. And so the, you take this great joy in what has been discovered. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this guy walking across the field, finds something valuable, doesn't tell anybody and buys that field and he has a great bargain. And why is it a great bargain? Because he sees the value of the field and nobody else can see it. He sees how valuable that field is. Nobody else can see it. Okay, next parable is like it with some slight contrast. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. And this merchant is likely a wholesaler of valuable things, diamonds, jewelry, and obviously pearls. So what he does is he goes to the various ports of call throughout the world. He's looking for items that he can buy at a discount, resell in another port at full value, and make a profit. So he's in search of fine Pearls. Why is he in search of fine pearls? He knows what a fine pearl is, and he's hoping the person sell it, selling it does not know what a fine pearl is. So he's going, and he finds a pearl of great value, and having found it, knowing the purchase price is so discounted, he sells everything, buys that pearl, knowing that he has made a profitable transaction. Okay? So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like people who can see good value. Finding and keeping the kingdom of God is knowing what is valuable, not denying what is valuable and seeking something else. Finding and keeping treasure is knowing good value. So what Jesus is not saying is we have to give up everything to find God. What he is suggesting, and, and you can decide if this is good advice or not, how, how about giving up worthless things to obtain things that last forever? So, and it just, is that a good idea to take something that is worthless and exchange it for something that lasts forever? And most people would say, of course, it's a fantastic idea. Uh, most good business people would say, that's a really great idea. Take something that has no value, put some effort into it, and then have something that has great value. And Jesus is saying, that's what the kingdom of God is like. Knowing what is actually valuable. Now, all of us like a good value. So one day I went to Costco. It was actually last summer, and I was going to buy some of those pop-up shades. Uh, Costco had these Coleman pop-up shades, and they were 99 bucks each. Okay, And I, again, I don't know uh, if that's a good deal or not. I do know that it was within the budget I had to spend on pop-up shades. I was buying them for the church for some things we were going to do this summer. I needed four of them, and I felt like Coleman was a good brand. Okay, You maybe don't like Coleman. For me, Coleman's good. That seems all right. 99 bucks. So I got four of them. And I had them on the cart. I wasn't smart enough to get one of the flatbeds. 
because I had gone in to buy some other stuff, so that was in the cart. So I had four of those pop-up things on top of my basket, and I'm pushing it. i got to look kind of this way. And twice, two people on my way out stopped me and said, are those a good deal? I said, I actually have no idea if it's a good deal. I don't know if Coleman sells these for 80 bucks online. I don't know if they're cheaper at Walmart. I, I honestly have no idea if it's a good deal. It's, it's a good deal for me. I need four of them. They've got like a stack of a thousand. Uh, and uh, it's, it's in my budget. And you go, okay. And then another guy, I'm almost to the cash. Are those a good deal? Uh, what do you think of those? I said, yeah, yeah, a great deal. I'm never going to find a better deal than this. I would sell everything you own to go buy some of these pop-ups. So... Some people, I was joking with this with Jeff this week. I said, I impulse buy at the store a pack of gum, all right? These guys are going to impulse buy a pop-up shade, you know, because they don't want to miss out on a good deal. Well, if that's a good deal, i got to get it. And if a guy's got a stack of four of them, it must be a great deal. And they're, they're going to go back and buy pop-up shades uh, with their 10 stacks of toilet paper. Well, this was last summer, so we don't want to miss out on a good deal. We, we fear missing out on a good deal. And what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God is it's a good deal. Its value is incalculable, and to receive it costs the recipient nothing. In fact, it's great gain. So Jesus wants to reframe how believers think about the kingdom of God. We often think as believers in the kingdom of God, we ought to be charitable. Uh, we ought to give away resources. We ought to give away time. We ought to give away effort. We ought to be willing to serve others. We ought to be charitable. We can tend to think that we are charitable because we have to be self-sacrificial. In these parables, Jesus reframes that. He goes, no, you're charitable because it is profitable. You take what is valueless Give it away as an act of faith that we might participate in something that has eternal value. He is not saying that people who are Christians give away a lot because they're generous. We're generous because our Father is more generous to us. So there is such a thing as sacrificial charity, time, effort, money, whatever. But really we're doing that in the name of understanding what is valuable. It is profitable to serve in the kingdom of God because we receive so much. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary and martyr, he said it this way, and you've probably heard this phrase many, many times. It's worth uh, repeating. Jim Elliott said this. He actually didn't say it. I believe it was written in his journal, and, uh, and he was rephrasing another theologian. He said this. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Who's heard that before? Anybody heard that before? That's pretty famous. He is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And of course, this was his philosophy of going down to the Alka Indians and sacrificing so much. He's like, this isn't foolish. This is just smart business. I'm going to give away stuff I can't keep, my life, my possessions, uh, my family, because I get to gain stuff that never goes away. Any smart business person would say that's a really great exchange to take that which has little value and exchange it for something that has uh, great value. It, it seems spiritual to be investing in the kingdom of God, and certainly it is. I don't want to say it's not spiritual because the Holy Spirit uh, works in us. However, in reality, service and sacrifice in the kingdom of God just makes good sense. 
Jesus wants us to rethink the kingdom of God. It's just common sense to be willing to exchange what has little value for what has great value. Why doesn't it seem common sense for the king, for us to exchange what we have here for the kingdom? Because we believe this world is more permanent and more real than the kingdom of God. What we have to understand is the values and realities of this world are not as accurate as the biblical view of the kingdom of God. What is more real, eternity in the kingdom of God or today? Well, today seems pretty real right now, doesn't it? You woke up, maybe it's to make some pains, wonder what today's going to be like. It seems pretty real. The fact is the Bible backs us away from today. Look at eternity, which has more consequence, which has more reality to it. And the fact is the kingdom of God, because it lasts forever. Finding and keeping treasure how do, is by knowing what is valuable. Jesus wants us to get out of this viewpoint that seeking him in the kingdom of God is a sacrificial sense. It is sacrificial, but we gain so much it really can't be framed that way, can it? If we gain eternity with Christ, what is the big deal if I lose much uh, here? Uh, sometimes we think of the kingdom of God as primarily a kingdom of good morals, the kingdom of God is that place which you go, maybe I would put it that way, where you discover what all the naughty things are and what all the good things are, and then we will spend our times uh, beating ourselves up for doing the naughty things too much. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of morals where we decide what's right and wrong, and then we slap each other around for doing the wrong things. And then we pat ourselves on the back every now and then when we do something right. That sounds like the kingdom of God. That sounds like uh, the body of Christ. And Jesus, notice in his parable, he doesn't discuss ethics at all. What he discusses is what has great value. And, and Jesus does this throughout his ministry as well. He pulls our understanding of the kingdom of God away from um, it is evil and right, although he does define evil and right. He wants us to make a different choice. It's not stop doing bad and do good. It is go away from that which has no value and instead choose that which has great value. Sin has little value and is very costly. The kingdom of God has eternal value and costs you and I nothing. You see the difference there. So a lot of times we, we are framing the kingdom of God primarily in a framework of ethics and morals. Jesus here is framing it in which is better for you, the kingdom of God in all of its value or the kingdom of yourself, which maybe is going to fade away in 80, 90 years if you're lucky. And he's saying the kingdom of God has much more value. Uh, to it. God is righteous, but what the challenge here, what Jesus is really calling us to do here, is have eyes trained to see what has value, what has real uh, value. Um, have you ever seen these uh, pawn shop shows? They're shows where they, they got the pawn shop owner, and the guy comes in with his baseball card. And what always surprises me on these pawn shops pawn shop shows that's hard to say try it is somebody will come in with something i've never even knew existed so he's like what, what do you do with this and the guy like out of his memory lists off 300 things about this thing and he says oh because this green dot is printed in the corner this is the one that's not very valuable so take a hike 
right? And they go, oh, on the back here, you can see this S was printed backwards with the period on the wrong side, so it's actually worth $4 million. And you say, well, how does this guy have all this information in his head? Where does it? And the, and the thing is, he has trained his eye to see what is valuable. That's merely all Jesus is doing here. Well, this is a great part of the Bible because Jesus is not asking you to be a good kid. He's not asking you to be well-behaved. What is he asking us to do? See with eyes that know what true value is. And he's saying, the kingdom of God never goes away. That is a very valuable uh, commodity. So pursue what is best. Have eyes trained to see what is valuable and pursue what is best. And Jesus is suggesting to us the kingdom is the best asset you could ever obtain. All right. Um, let's keep going. Let's look at the next parable. The parable of the net. Finding and keeping treasure. First thing we said, we have to know what a good value is. Second thing he uh, says here is finding and keeping treasure by losing uh, everything. You see verse 47 there? You got your copy of the Bible? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a what? Kingdom of heaven is like a... There's like 30 of us here. You can talk out loud. It's okay. Finding the kingdom of heaven is like a... Right, that's totally wrong. See, I set you up. That was rude. Yeah, well, the kingdom of heaven is nicer than me. The way Jesus frames these, I'm just pointing this out to help you read your Bible. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a, we tend to think the very next thing he mentions is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The very next, so the kingdom of heaven is like a net. It's actually, the kingdom of heaven is like a story I'm about to tell. The net's the first part of it. So the kingdom of heaven is the whole parable, not merely the net. It's the whole thing. So it's like... A net was cast into a sea, and a fisherman dragged in a big catch of fish. And he gets up, gets him up onto the shore, and what's the fisherman going to do with this fish? Because it's his job. He wants to make a profit. He's going to take out all the fish that are profitable and put them in the bin that he's going to haul to the market. All of the fish that are not profitable, he is going to chuck out. In Israel, which are the fish are not profitable? Catfish. Why? They have no scales. And in the Jewish law... They couldn't eat fish that had no scales. They could only eat fish with sails. So the catfish go back in the Sea of Galilee, right? Wrong. Why is he not throwing it back into the Sea of Galilee? He's throwing catfish in the sea. He's gonna, every catfish he catches, he's gonna burn. Just like the people in Klamath burn suckerfish. That was, you guys don't get it. Okay. Like some people get it. Okay. Okay, so the catfish go in. What else goes in the bin that's gonna get burned? All the brine shrimp. We can't eat shrimp. Oh, we're going to chuck it. So anything that can't be profitable, he's going to chuck into the bin and it's going to be discarded. In this case, it's burned in the fire. It's destroyed. The, the, uh, the non-profitable fish have been removed from the Sea of Galilee. His profitable fish, he's now going to take into the market and sell and the rest are discarded. And so what he's saying here is look at the, the parable. He tells us precisely what it means. It's going to be the same way at the end of the age, meaning the day of the Lord. Uh, the angels are going to come and they're going to separate people, the righteous and the evil. The righteous are going to go into the kingdom of heaven. The righteous have turned a prophet, are profitable for the kingdom of God. The evil are not, and they are discarded uh, into that fiery furnace, a description of hell. It's very upsetting, but it's a real place. In that place, there will be great suffering. And so what he's saying is here, the evil are not going to gain the kingdom of heaven. They retained their kingdom here. 
So how did they find and keep their treasure? They found and kept their treasure of their own kingdom. And what did they lose? They lost everything. So on the one hand, we find and keep treasure by having an eye for a good value. The other way we can find and keep treasure is hold on to our own kingdom. And that's all we get. And in fact, the way it's described in this parable is you have lost everything. You have gained your little kingdom, which is valuable as it might be in this particular moment. One day later, it could be worthless. AMC movie theaters. You ever heard of this? Biggest movie theater chain in the country may never reopen. They're going to, they may not, they just said, we don't, the cash is gone. One day, they're, they're, they have lines out the door. The next day, notice, we just saw this happen. The next day, they're shut down, and the biggest movie theater chain in the, in the country may never reopen. Now, somebody's going to reopen them. They're not going to call, be called AMC. Some of you are thinking, okay, i got to buy me a movie theater. There's going to be a, a void in the market coming in, okay? Um, that, that's unbelievable. But that's exactly what happens. Re- hold on to our kingdom. Well, i got a pretty good kingdom, and I can go away tomorrow. So we can find and keep our own treasure, and we, in fact, lose everything. We pursue a worthless kingdom, and that's exactly what we get to keep, which in the end is nothing. So, obviously, we ask the question, how do you make sure you are righteous at the end and not evil? And, of course, the answer is people who do good deeds, uh, give away lots of money, attend church regularly, and um, all those other things, they're righteous, Nobody has stormed out. I'm waiting for somebody to storm out. I'm going to keep going. No, that's wrong. Good, be- well-behaved people are uh, not necessarily righteous. Uh, a speaker one uh, time said this way at a conference I was at, there's a non-smoking virgin section of hell. Just because you've never smoked a cigarette or you saved yourself from marriage does not give you a ticket to heaven. Heaven requires a whole other thing In order to be righteous, you must be as righteous as God is. The only way to obtain that righteousness is to trust Christ and have him give you his righteousness. So righteousness is not earned, it's obtained through faith in Christ who died on the cross for us. So the righteous are those who have said, my kingdom is worthless, I will take the kingdom of heaven, which was very costly for Christ, but is free to us. And some of us say, well, that's great. What I'm going to do is have my kingdom, add some Jesus to it, so I get both. Wrong. That's not how it works. To turn to Christ in faith is to admit my kingdom is worthless. That's what repentance means. Turning from my kingdom to Christ's kingdom and saying, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, God's kingdom will be added to me. I'm going to let him worry about what I need for today. So righteousness is gained through Christ alone, through faith alone. When we seek first his kingdom, that's exactly what we receive. No cost to us, great cost to him. The downside is we're saying no to our own kingdom. We're admitting our kingdom has no eternal value. The evil are not merely morally reprehensible. That's what, how we tend to frame uh, people who are evil. The evil people are those who are morally repre- reprehensible, morally bankrupt. And that's not what the Bible is telling us. Evil here is saying no to God's kingdom and yes to my kingdom. 
And you can be very moral and ethical and good, and you can still be pursuing your own uh, kingdom. In fact, one of the most dangerous places to be is seeking your own kingdom and being terribly moral and ethical because you may not perceive your need for righteousness from Christ absent the work of the Spirit. So though the fish here, the illustration of the fish, are evil, not merely just bad people. It's all of us when we say, my kingdom is better than uh, Christ's kingdom. There's another place in the Scripture Jesus says this, uh, it is easier for easier. All right? Easy there, might speak in tongues. We have an interpreter. It's easier. Uh, it's easier for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than for the wealthy to inherit the kingdom of God. Why does he say that? He's talking because he's describing two kingdoms. Okay? I, I just, this is how you see the, Who's seen Slumdog Millionaire? Right? This is kind of an older film. It's worth watching. It's probably got some objectionable material in it. I can't remember. It's been so long. But I always have this view of the kids uh, pillaging the trash pile in India. You know, they're collecting stuff out the trash heap, right? And somebody goes to that kid and says, hey, I've got a deal for you. If you trust Jesus, you get to inherit the kingdom of God. And the kids say, I'll take that. My life is on trash heap, right? Now, then you go to a wealthy individual, which describes all of us, because we live in the United States, say, I'm going to give you the kingdom of God. You say, well, tell me about it. My kingdom's pretty decent. I got, a, I got a house, got a couple of cars, got central heating. I mean, what else could you want? You know, I got a Costco nearby where I can buy sunshades. I can buy stacks on stacks of sunshades at a whim. I can make people jealous of how many sunshades I got on my car. So tell me about your kingdom of Christ. I don't know how good is it. And that's why Jesus says it's difficult for the wealthy, which is all of us, to inherit the kingdom of God. We perceive we have so much to lose in our own kingdom. It is only our perception that thinks there's a significant difference between our kingdom and the trash sheep of those kids in India. Because when compared to the kingdom of God, they're nearly identical. And, but it's difficult for us to see that. So we go to pursue the kingdom of God. We go, but my life is pretty good here. So I want both, I want both things and we can't have both things. Pursuing the kingdom of God becomes our primary agenda. Now, I should say this, so many of you are worried. Does that mean I need to sell all myself? It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is instead of looking at my kingdom as my kingdom, I say, how does my life fit into the purposes of the kingdom of God? Every aspect of it. How's my marriage? How's my money? How's my work? How does my family? How does my friendships? How's my neighborhood? How do these things, which before I own, I now say, how do all these things connect into the kingdom of God? Finding and keep tre keeping treasure. Two options. By knowing good value, which is the kingdom of God. And secondly, by losing everything, which means I'm going to pursue my own kingdom. Okay, let's look at the last couple of verses, and we're going to close with this before we uh, celebrate communion together. Verse 51, Jesus asked his disciples, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, what? Yes, and I find this, this is the most surprising verse in the Bible. I expected the end of verse 51 to be after Jesus finished laughing. But, but yeah, okay, yeah, you guys really get it. Okay, fish on. Um, but he didn't, but because they did have to understand. But here's, he wants to make a point. Do you understand this about the kingdom of God? They at least had some sense of what he was describing about the kingdom of God which we've been describing this morning. And they said, yeah, yeah, we get it. We do get it. And Jesus said this to them. Therefore, every scribe, or we might say teacher or pastor or any person who wants to make disciples, 
Any scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, that is, every person who might understand these things, he is like a master of a house. He brings out of his treasure what is old and what is new. Okay, so what he's saying is someone who understands the kingdom of heaven, they now have a desire, having understood this great treasure, to pass on the treasures of the kingdom to others, and they're going to do so, both the old and the new. And what Jesus is impressing on his disciples here, they would have understand it maybe more clearly than us, is he's saying, I am the culmination of everything in the old covenant. I am the covenant, I am the culmination of the Mosaic law. I am the culmination of the promises to David. I am the culmination of all of the prophecies of Israel. I am the culmination of everything that Israel was hoping for. So Jesus is making the argument, everything in the Old Testament is telling of me and the culmination of the kingdom of God. That's the old as well as the new. He explains to them in more and more detail, how does this new covenant work out in our life? Well, we don't have to go to the temple and worship because he is, our lamb has already died and raised from the dead. So he's saying those who understand this bring the kingdom of heaven to bear both old and new. So let me summarize it this way. In order to know good value, we have to know the king of the valuable kingdom. In order to know good valuable value, we have to know the king. And in order to know the king, we have to find him in his word. And we have to find him in the whole word. This is my, my way of taking another swipe at us. Read your whole Bible. Read your Old Testament and read your New Testament and find Jesus on every single page. And you're going to say, well, I read, I read the Old Testament this week and I didn't find Jesus. Fine, don't worry about it. Read it again next year, maybe you'll see him. It's not the Bible's fault, just keep doing it. And the trick with Bible reading, I've said this before, so this is repeat for most of us. Just read it regularly, maybe once a year, for 50 years, it'll start to make sense. Okay? And, it's not, and you think I'm kidding. But that's how where you start to make the connections. And some of us have read Narnia a dozen times, and some of us have read Tolkien a dozen times, and okay, I'll say some of us have read Harry Potter a dozen times, and every time we read it, we see something new. So do this with your Bible. Don't read it once, I don't get it. Go for it. How you train your eye for value is to know the king. How you know the king is to read your whole Bible over and over and over again. Finding good treasure. Okay, two application uh, thoughts, and then we're going to take communion together. First one, do we need to sell the kingdom? Sometimes we think about evangelism, or sometimes we even think about our own hearts, and we think we need to be sold on the kingdom of heaven like it's a timeshare. Like, have anyone been to one of these timeshare presentations? I went to one at Running Y one time. I think we were there five hours. We said no 2,000 times to get a free round of golf. It was worth it. It was a good round of golf. <laughs> but this is what we think. Somebody's got to pitch us on the benefits of the kingdom. Uh, what are the benefits of this kingdom? How is this going to pay off in my life? Is it going to give me a better marriage? Is it going to bless me at work? Are my kids going to be well behaved? Am I going to get a new car? No. We're not going to. If you need to be sold on the kingdom of God, you don't need the kingdom of God. And if you think your neighbor needs to be pitched, the kingdom of God, your neighbor needs the Holy Spirit to convict him. When that guy walked across the field and kicked that rock over, he didn't need a real estate agent to try and convince him to buy that piece of property, did he? And this is how we need to change our perspective. We are not trying to convince people the kingdom of heaven is the right way to go. The kingdom of heaven has inherent value, and either we see it or we don't. And we don't have to be salespeople. 
We are informers. The kingdom of heaven is the place of greatest value. Its value is so significant. When we lose everything, we still have gained. That's how valuable it is. If we need to be sold on the value of the kingdom of heaven, we don't get it because it's priceless. Second, second thing, sorry. We need to, uh, I would suggest we need to look at our priorities on an ongoing basis and look at the things we value and put those in proper place in keeping with the value of the kingdom of heaven. And we value lots of good things, and we're not saying we throw out everything. But what we need to say is, where are my priorities, and where is the kingdom of heaven line up in those priorities? Jesus put it this way in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying seek, don't seek other things, don't pursue uh, success at your job, don't pursue hobbies, and don't pursue value here. What he is saying is, let's put the kingdom of God first. And we should look at our priorities and say, where does the kingdom of God line up in my priorities for my home, for my uh, vocation, for my recreation, uh, even for the resources I have? Uh, is my life truly being vested in the kingdom or are my priorities betraying the fact that I am investing in my own kingdom? And that is worth evaluating uh, on on an go- ongoing basis. And somebody asked, I think it was Todd, thanks for asking. Um, well, how do I do that? How do I evaluate my priorities? What's the two easiest ways to evaluate your priorities? Just laughing at me. Checkbook and calendar. Real easy. It's not kind of like, what do we spend our money on? What do we spend our time doing? And, and we, we can do it. There's a lot of value to this. We, we look at these two things and say, here's what I spend my money on. Here's what I spend my time doing. Are these things uh, involved in the value of the kingdom? I'm not saying we shouldn't do the things we're doing, but it, there certainly is a value in examining uh, those priorities.